Hello and welcome to the Wednesday interview from the Sustainable Futures Report for the 11th of May. I'm Anthony Day and my guest this week is patron Ian Jarvis. I suggested to him that the Sustainable Futures Report risked becoming repetitive and that it was time to take stock and he agreed to talk about that with me. Ian tells us that he's old enough to remember when car companies said they couldn't make a car go faster than 30 miles an hour using unleaded petrol. The government ignored them and gave them two years to adapt, which of course they did. That was in the late 1970s and everyone was saying it was green. Ian replied, no it isn't, it's just less not green. He's been a genuine sceptic ever since. It was long before global warming was on any political agenda. It was all about environmental protection. Then subtly it became climate change. Taking stock for him would be about a genuine review of the science and politics with nothing being off the table. He asks, are we on a route of someone else's choosing? What if we're wrong? What then? Would we, all of us, be big enough to accept that and adjust accordingly? It's too important to be wrong. We certainly had a wide-ranging discussion, although I'm not sure that we reached any firm conclusions. You'll find some parts of this conversation both controversial and provocative. He mentions gain-of-function research, and I've put a link to that at the end of this text on the website. I've also looked up HARP and commented on it at the end. Here's what we discussed. If we're going to take stock really, really, truly and properly consider everything and all aspects, we need to go back to some basic science. I would first of all go back to the very first model, for example, um, that was put out by scientists, see what that was predicting and see where we are now and compare those two things together. If they're the same, then the models have been right. If they're different, then the models haven't been, and we need to look at what we're missing. Right, okay, so you're looking at this from a scientific as aspect. I mean, are you assuming that, that we might be mistaken in foreseeing a climate crisis? I think if we miss that opportunity to think that way, if our, if our thinking becomes just one strict controlled almost uh, way of looking at things that's not the way science works science should always be questioning saying what more have we learned you know uh, uh, that that's my argument we're stuck at the moment i think we're so stuck in one way of looking at things right but if we say oh hang on let's have a uh, let's let's review everything then the denialists are going to say well okay yeah all this business of saying we've got to have a net zero 2050 and we've got to cut carbon uh, emissions uh, it's all been done on a, on a false premise so surely we're going to give them a tremendous amount of uh, of ammunition which will knock the whole debate back uh, well knock it out of court well 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 you know what if it's true Right, but what if it's true? But, but I mean, aren't, aren't I mean, scientists you, you, reviewing this all I, the time? Let me just say one thing. Um, you've just used a word, 
deniers. Now, yeah. that is an emotive word. And it's one of those words like conspiracy theorist that is designed just to shut up conversation. You know, we can't go down that 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 way. And that's that, called skeptics. That, that then. really annoys me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, skepticism, true skepticism is looking at things from the widest angle that you can and looking at everything. That's proper skepticism. What skepticism has become known as is being opposed to something. Yeah. That's not skepticism. That's not thinking. That's just opposing it. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I, I read these so-called skeptic sites. They're not skeptics. They're put up there by people who just want to knock whatever they can knock. All right. Well, I, th yeah. I, th I think you make a very good point that, that yeah. language can be emotive and we Absolutely. can lose the argument by blurring it. Yeah. Uh, so what are the terms that we should use in order to try and be impartial, but to recognise there are some people who are very concerned about what they perceive as a climate crisis, and there are equally strong opinions from people who don't think that it is a justifiable belief. So, how do we? How do we? What are we going to call these groups? <laughs> uh, well, do we? I suppose I would. We'd call it science. We'd call it debate. We'd call it argument. Let me give you an example, completely away from. Uh, the climate for, for for one second. Yeah. When when COVID was coming out, I wrote something to a group of my friends um, on Facebook and said, you know, I've been looking at some science. I've got at that time I had about fifty pages of uh, different researches and articles and things. Some were science researches, some were articles. Um, and I said, you know, this th this could be a lab made um, thing yeah and I the, the one of the biggest comments I got was don't be stupid in that's conspiracy theorist somebody's just sell, trying to sell a book so I said I, I said something like well can accidents happen I said have you ever dropped a glass of wine is it possible that it could have been lab made. I mentioned gain of function and he said he didn't know anything about gain of function. I told him what it was. Um, and I said, you know, well, you know, I'm willing, I'm open, I'm listening, show me your research. And he said, I can't be bothered. Yeah. I can't be bothered. Now that's what I see going on with, with climate. You know, the science is settled. Well, that's, a myth to start with, ever. Science is never settled. And any good, sensible scientist will tell you that. You know, I mean, I wouldn't describe myself as a scientist, but I do have a degree in science, computing science, as it happens. And I know how to read papers. And I know you don't have to understand all the science to get a meaning from most papers. Some you do, and, and you can skip those if you're not into that co2 from what i gather is less than one percent of the atmospheric gases yeah yeah i mean i i know from my chemistry which i was hopeless at at school i have to say but we did things like titration um in chemistry and that's where you just add a little drop of something into a solution and you know one drop suddenly makes all the change so mm -hmm. I do appreciate that small things, small percentages are not necessarily um, 
uh, unimportant. Um, but I've also seen about uh, water vapor. Yeah. And that's a big greenhouse gas. Yeah. Um, I've, I've also read plenty of articles about the, the sun. I mean, what can we do about the sun, the solar minimum that people are saying, many scientists are saying we're approaching a solar minimum. Um, and that's going to make a bigger change in the climate. And I'm not even suggesting that we don't need to do stuff because I really do think um, lots of the things that we're doing are really, really useful in a general environmental sense. Um, and I would never, I would certainly not decry lots of those things, but I, I think we're out of balance, Anthony. I really think we've got out of balance at the moment. Right, right. well, let, let's just go back a stage. You talk mm. about water vapour. There's no denying that water vapour is a significant greenhouse mm. gas, but it's always been there. And yes. I think you could say that the quantity of water on Earth is constant. It may be in water vapour, it may be in the oceans, it may be in rivers, but the total doesn't change. Now, as far as carbon dioxide is concerned, carbon dioxide for a very long time has been finite in terms of the quantity on Earth. But we, by exploiting fossil fuels, are actually releasing carbon dioxide from within the earth and we're adding to the stock so first of all there is a change in the carbon dioxide mm -hmm. it's no longer in equilibrium and secondly that change to the equilibrium is directly caused by human exploitation of fossil fuels so we are doing something to make these changes uh, but you just said you agree that we've got to do something to get things under control mm -hmm. so what sort of things are our are you considering? I mean, we've discussed um, on previous episodes things like geoengineering. I mean, do you have a view on that? Interestingly enough, that somebody on, on Radio 4 yesterday afternoon, it was a naturalist programme on the science on Radio 4, uh, and, and this person was concerned about um, reptiles. That was her specialism. But she said, um, I know we have to make priorities because there is not enough money. The first item on the news program five minutes later was that um, Biden has put 33 billion pounds to provide mostly weapons for this war in Ukraine. Yeah. 33 billion. Yeah. I also read that the, um, the total spent on war in the world is over two trillion pounds per year now, mostly from the USA. There is money. Look at the money that's spent on um, COVID, for example. So, so we've got to think about how we run the entire. <laughs> I'm getting into big stuff here. I think. Yeah. You know, yeah. How, how we how we run all these things are affecting everything. War has more environmental um, effect and carbon effects than anything else. You build the weapons, you, you send them across to somebody. You've then got to rebuild all the infrastructure that you've just destroyed. Um, all this, you know, say, stop using plastic bags in Sainsbury's makes no difference whatsoever. If we get rid of those things, think how much of your fossil fuels you could save, for example. How realistic is that? Uh... Well, yeah, but if we don't try, we're never going to get there, are we? No, quite, quite. But we might never get there even if we do try. Well, 
<laughs> well, then, then we will just be the next extinction. Yes, and I'm sure. And there have been many extinctions over the past, and people even say there have been plenty of um, human extinctions in the past. So, you know, the life goes on, the world will still turn around. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, I, I was talking to Amanda Scott this week, uh -huh. and one of the things she said in response to me, uh, I was saying, look, with people like Putin, with people like uh, Xi Jinping, who is actually urging his miners to produce even more coal at the moment, mm -hmm. what chance have we got of actually making a realistic change? And she said, if you concentrate at that level, probably little chance. Yeah. Start at home. Start uh, making the change at home. Well, maybe we have much, well, I think she's quite right, that we have much more chance of changing things at home than we have of changing things globally. And maybe that should be the first stage towards changing the world. But whether that can be done in time yeah, is another the, question. The only thing I see wrong with that, I mean, and I do see where she's coming from, because that's taking the easy steps, if you like. I, I can stop buying whatever it is or uh, so on. But... It's going to make no difference. It really isn't. Um, look, look at one example, HARP. You've heard of HARP, H-A-A-R-P? High Active Auroral Research Programme, I think it stands for. All right, well, we'll look that up and find a link to it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it started off some, some decades ago. It's, it's an array of microwave technology um, Wi-Fi technology, which beams radiation up into the atmosphere. It heats the upper atmosphere to over a thousand degrees. Oh, right. And, and there are now, oh, I think 40 or 50, maybe even more around the world of similar devices. The Russians have, the Russians have something, they call it something different. Uh, the, the main one, the biggest one that I know of is in Alaska, um, it's a USA uh, military device. Are you telling me, I, I mean, I'm sure you wouldn't try and tell me that's going to make no difference to the weather. But what's the purpose of it? Is it a geoengineering thing? That's a very good question. <laughs> we don't know. I, I mean, I've, I've read, also read that that harp has now been switched off, but there are other equivalents around. There's also a similar thing um, in the ocean. They're putting Wi-Fi in the ocean. Yeah. What effect is that going to have, Anthony? I mean, basically, I'm not saying I know. And that's the big problem, because we just don't know. And I think too many of us are afraid of saying, actually, we don't know. When we claim we know, you know, we've got to say we know something. Yes. Otherwise, we're stupid. And that's actually not true. It takes a lot of strength to say, well, actually, we don't know about this. Mm. And that's where I'm coming from. There are so many things happening at the moment. And the climate thing is, is, is one of them. You know, there's a butterfly. You read chaos theory some years ago, yeah. did you? Yeah. yeah, there's a butterfly somewhere over there right. and, and a hurricane over here. Yeah. Well, you know, beaming up. You know, heating the atmosphere up to a thousand degrees is certainly going to be more than uh, your butterfly is doing. I don't know that uh, 
and, and what we're not doing, I think, is thinking in that coordinated linked way, because all these things do make a difference. Who is there to think and coordinate all these different things? I mean, is it something for the United Nations? United Nations is more of a technical, um, uh, sorry, uh, more of a political organisation yeah, than a technical yeah. organisation, isn't it? It is, yeah, and I'm not sure I have a great deal of faith in the United Nations either. I mean, you, you mentioned China and Russia. Well, I might, I might counter arguments, uh, and 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 yet, what about, as I mentioned a little while ago, what a, what about the, all all the stuff that the American military has done over the years? You know, they've wrecked Syria, they've wrecked Libya. They, you know, um, are their wars justified? any more than Russia's wars are justified? My argument is no. They've all been political wars. Political wars or petroleum wars. Yeah. You know, and, and no, I know we're talking big things and maybe you and I alone will not uh, resolve those things. Uh, but the, we have to start raising those things and raising them with our politicians. How do I get my politicians in the West Midlands, I'm, I'm currently living in Wolverhampton, uh, where we are the first um, test bed for major 5G rollout. This was a competition that the, the wonderful West Midlands Combined Authority won in 2018. Okay. I, and it's just being rolled out as if it's the best thing since sliced bread. Right. Nobody is asking questions about, well, why do we need it? Have you asked the population? 5G, for example, is not particularly any better than 4G at broadband. In fact, arguably, according to the Huawei, Huawei um, uh, guy who set up the company, it's not even broadband. So, right. so, so what about the health effects? What about the effects on, on nature and the environment? I need to get my politicians in this, just in this city, just in this West Midlands area, to start thinking more widely instead of just saying, okay, yeah, great, wow, yeah, development growth, wow. I mean, that's what, the, that I've just been reading a paper this morning, the original draft plan, and it's all about growth, more economics, attracting business, mm -hmm. nothing about, well, actually, What's the benefits to the population, to the people, to the infrastructure? Yeah, how is it going to improve living conditions? It claims it's in, but there's no evidence in any in anywhere in this paper. And I see so many articles about not just about climate change that actually do not produce the evidence. They just say this is it, and then everybody says, "Oh yes." bow down, the Prime Minister says this, the President says this, and, and they're not presenting the evidence. I, I said right up front on this page, in, in this chat, Anthony, let's look at the science, let's look at the papers that were, and the models that were produced, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you know, we've been hearing about climate change mm. since, certainly since leaded petrol was introduced. Mm. And even then, you know, people were saying, oh, it's green petrol. I kept saying, no, it's not green petrol. It's just less not green. 
That's yeah. all. And, and that's, again, where we get into language again. You know, it's green. Well, actually, it's not green. You know, electric cars are not green. They may be less this or less that and more this and more that, mm. but they're not green. Okay. In, the sen- in the sense that green people wanted to mean. You see my point? Yeah. 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 Well, politicians will tell people, always tell people what they want to hear. Of course. So we've got to start with the people, surely. We've got to start making people aware of what yeah. the issues are. Indeed. Um, we've got to work on public opinion. The big problem at the moment, I mean, if we start the microcosm, if we start looking at the UK before we start looking at the global uh, situation, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the UK oh, yeah. situation is there are a large and increasing proportion of people who are worried about the cost of power, the cost of food, and the cost of rent, and they are going to be uh, not at all susceptible to arguments about anything beyond that. Mm. So that's another problem. If you go along to I mean, you sent me a clip a while ago, which I've been looking at again, um, which included the guy who um, represents the, the fuel price alliance or something, and he's saying that... His members, who are ordinary drivers and motorists and so on, are concerned about the cost of uh, of fuel. And he was Mm. recorded well before the the latest (laughs) increases. And it's totally understandable because, you know, I I was talking to somebody um, the other day who said to me, yes, my my, uh, diesel bill's gone up from 20 quid a week to 30 quid a week. I have to get to work. Yeah. And Um, the the haulage industry is the same. Yeah. 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 But, but it's, it's I mean, very difficult to inform the public on this when they've got other things on their minds. One of my responses to you there would be, if the government was seriously concerned about us and poverty, they would reduce the tax. 80, at least 80% of that price on uh, a litre of petrol, a litre of diesel, is tax. Mm-hmm. They, they could wipe that out by reducing that tax. Yeah. Piece of cake. But that would encourage yeah. consumption. Yeah, but we wouldn't want them to do that, would we? Because that would well, encourage well, consumption. Well, well, if, if you're saying people's bills are going up and, and yet they still have to buy the same amount of fuel because they've still got to go to work, bring the price down, but they're still going to work the same. You, the mm. guy you mentioned isn't going to use any more petrol to go to the work just mm. because it's cheaper. Um, I mean, the, the other thing, I mean, the other, I mean, again, it's not just that one thing, is it? It's also to do with public transport. Yes, absolutely. Make public transport, make trains free. Why not? Why not? Did Give me a good see, reason, why not? Did you see that quote from the mayor of Manchester this week? I didn't, know Where no. he showed that a ticket bought uh, at the last minute a return ticket from Manchester to London costs the same as a flight to Brazil. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you make my point. You make my point. And that's partly because of the tax uh, rebates that airlines get as well, isn't it? You know, they don't pay so much tax on fuel as the, as the train companies. How stupid is that? Yeah. You know, the, I, I don't know if it's still true, but it certainly used to be the case that if, if, if you wanted to rebuild a structure, keeping the structure there, you paid VAT on everything you, you bought. If you knock the whole thing down, um, then you 
and built from scratch again, you didn't pay VAT on your stuff. Now, yeah. is that crazy or is that crazy? Well, and equally, if you want to refurbish your house to make it um, highly insulated, again, mm. you pay VAT on, on the materials that you need. Yeah. So we need a re so are we saying we need a restructuring of the tax system as well? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know it 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 gets complicated, doesn't it? it? Is complicated. And, and that, that and it is complicated. And I suppose my argument from the beginning is is that we're not taking note of that complication. Mm -hmm. You know, the IPCC has got one focus: zero carbon. And, and has anybody actually said, is zero carbon even possible? Well, actually, it's done a bit more than zero carbon, because in the, the latest report, it's it's aligned a lot of the things that need to be done with the uh, Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs. But mm. yes, it's overriding um, messages, we've got to cut carbon. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, what are these sustainability goals? You know, are they sustainable? <laughs> it's just we have these lovely phrases and they sound wonderful you know what do we mean by sustainable mm -hmm. i mean you know nobody's really defining in in my mind it's sensible terms what that actually means it's mm -hmm. again it's the opposite of your deniers it's a jingoistic word yeah all mm -hmm. we can say this is sustainable this isn't sustainable yeah. Uh, where's your evidence and yeah, what yeah. do we mean you know you, again they talk about living conditions whose living conditions are they talking about in in these articles about sustainability yours mine mm. theirs certainly doing things um in smaller bites makes good practical sense i i acknowledge that anthony absolutely um you know and what i'm doing in the West Midlands for the 5G, um, I think is part of that small steps. Um, yeah. If I can get my councillors, if I can even get the head of planning as one person to accept that you know, the, the plan isn't as great as maybe he likes to think it is. Um, if I can get, you know, a hundred people uh, to think, you know, actually these masks going up is not a great thing all in all. Um, it's got some negative implications. Then you know, yes, I'm 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 making progress, but the then question comes, which I'm sure you would say, well, is that fast enough? Well, that's the constant question. Isn't it? <laughs> is it all fast enough? Yeah. Uh, and as we've discussed, this is such a broad question, such a broad mm. problem. So, can we somehow pull these threads together and answer the question? Where do we go from here? Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> I find myself thinking that um, quite often. Where do we go from here? I'm, in some ways, I'm, I'm coming down to a thinking of what I could only describe as localism. Mm -hmm. um, we, the bigger our organisations get, the more dissipated they get. Uh, the more control narrows into the top of a... Yeah, until some council uh, challenged it at law, didn't they? Yes, and exactly. Put back yeah. up again. Yes. So that's where politics gets in the way. Yeah. Why shouldn't he have been just allowed to do that? It worked. Did you I hear the episode about deep adaptation? Deep adaptation yeah. is 
aimed at coping with a situation where climate change mm. proves to be unstoppable and leads to societal collapse. Yeah. Um, now, would you would you accept that? Would you accept that we are on the way to societal collapse because we will not actually control the climate crisis? Or are you confident that we will carry on and, uh, uh, and things will never get that bad? I, I think we're facing a mega change. I would totally agree with that, I think. Um, I don't know what the change is going to be. I might say it's more to do with war yeah. than per se climate change by itself. So on balance, are you optimistic? I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic for the, for the species in the sense that I think some of us will survive. I think a lot of us might not. You know, it's down to us, Anthony, um, and I and I really do mean us. I think it's, I think we have to stop bickering between the so-called deniers and the um, and the extinction rebellions. We've got to get behind that language. Yeah, I'm a, I'm an optimist. Well, thank you. There are some serious <laughs> and profound thoughts there, Ian Jarvis. Thank you very much for talking to the Sustainable Futures Report. Thank you, Anthony. It's been a delight to speak with you. Thanks very much. I fear our conversation reinforces the feeling that there are no simple answers to global problems. But maybe that's a naive statement anyway. Ian mentioned HARP, H-A-A-R-P. So I looked it up on Wikipedia. The High Frequency Active Auroral Research Programme was a US defence project set up in 1993. Its original purpose was to analyse the ionosphere and investigate the potential for developing ionospheric enhancement technology for radio communications and surveillance. The Defence Department withdrew from the project in 2014 and since 2015 it's been operated as a research tool by the University of Alaska Fairbanks. It involves high-power radio transmissions but there's no mention of superheating the atmosphere. I'm grateful to everyone who takes part in Wednesday interviews, and I hope the ideas we share help to stimulate your own thinking. There are plenty more coming up. Next Wednesday, the 18th of May, we'll learn about blockchain and its relevance to sustainability. My expert guest is called Anthony Day. Yes, really, there is another one. He lives in Dublin and answers my questions about cryptocurrency, NFTs and whether blockchain is using dangerous amounts of electricity. Maybe I'll call the episode day by day. On Friday, there'll be the usual selection of sustainability news. But for the moment, that's it. That was the Wednesday interview from the Sustainable Futures Report. I'm Anthony Day. Until next time. Music.